Hi guys, hope you're well. My name's Lane and you're listening to the LMD Football Podcast. So a brief little intro about myself. Um, I'm 24 years old and graduated in 2018 with a degree in sports journalism, but hasn't been plain sailing from there, I'm afraid. Um, finding paid work in the industry has been a bit tough, I have to admit. I've been blogging since I started my course in university, and I continue to do so on my website at MD Football. Um, the link you can find in the description below. Um, the site essentially includes match reports on European football, in the Premier League, Liga Nos, Serie A, the Bundesliga, League R, and of course the Champions League and Europa League 2. I also do live text commentary um, and have written feature pieces and transfer news too. Um, I've had voluntary internships with 90 Minute, with some of my articles featured on Bleacher Report. I've also written for GRV, uh, media sites such as The Focus and The Chelsea Chronicle. Um, you know, over the, the last two years, I've also worked in hospitality full time, uh, just to make ends meet. Um, and with the recent COVID pandemic, which saw me lose my job in June, I finally decided now was the right time to give the podcast a gig a go. I guess I'm hoping it could lead to a future role at a media company or open up further opportunities for myself. So please do keep an open mind. So enough about me. Uh, coming up today, I'll be reviewing the Champions League round of 16 so far, um, as the ties reach their midway point. And later, I'll be discussing the selection of the draws and the teams who I think will advance to the next stage of the competition. European football's most prestigious club competition, the Champions League, returned last Tuesday. We saw five-time winners Barcelona play host to last season's runners-up Paris Saint-Germain. The tie was probably the draw of the round, with the previous last 16 meeting between the two sides featured as what can only be described as the mother of all comebacks in 2017. Dare I say better than Liverpool's 2005 triumph in Istanbul and the New England Patriots Super Bowl 51 victory which took place a matter of weeks before. PSG put four goals past the Blaugrana in the first leg on that occasion but was stunned with Barcelona triumphing 6-1 in the second leg at the Camp Nou to advance 6-5 on aggregate. On this occasion, Barcelona drew first blood with Lionel Messi opening the scoring from the penalty spot. However, just as they did in the first leg in the French capital four years ago, the Ligue 1 outfit scored four times to stun Barca, with Kylian Mbappe grabbing a hat-trick and Moise Keane also on the score sheet. In the other tie of the night, six-time winners Liverpool travelled to Leipzig, who are aiming to reach the quarter-finals of the competition for the second straight season. Liverpool ultimately won the first leg, ending a run of three consecutive defeats in all competitions by beating Leipzig 2-0 away from home. The Premier League holders benefited from goals by Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane in a five-minute spell in the second half to ease any pressure on under boss Jurgen Klopp. The following night, two-time European Cup winners Porto welcomed fellow two-time winners Juventus to the Dragão. Portuguese champions were flying the flag for their country, while the Italian champions were seeking to do one better than last season when they were eliminated at this stage. Porto scored within the opening minutes of each half, with Mediterranean netting approximately 61 seconds into the first, and Musa Marega doubling the lead 20 seconds into the second period. The Bianconeri managed to get onto the score sheet courtesy of Federico Chiesa's late strike, offering a glimmer of hope for the Italians with an away goal. The other tie saw Borussia Dortmund travel to Europa League champion Sevilla, who last reached this stage in 2018. The Spaniards went in front courtesy of Suso, but goals from Mahmoud Dahoud and a brace from Erling Brat Haaland, 
who provided the assist for Dahu's opener, saw the black and yellow open up a 3-1 lead. Luke de Jong did manage to reduce the deficit late on, but the Germans' three away goals put them in command, despite a narrow 3-2 aggregate lead. This week we saw the remaining eight teams in action. On Tuesday, Atletico Madrid faced Chelsea in the neutral venue of the National Arena in Bucharest due to travel restrictions caused by the pandemic. The Blues dominated the encounter and faced a resolute Colchonero side who sat back and defended in numbers while looking to hit on the counter. But Olivier Giroud's spectacular overhead kick, eventually awarded by VAR, saw the London outfit clinch a deserved 1-0 aggregate lead. In the other tie, holders Bayern Munich faced a trip to the Italian capital to face Lazio, who are ending a 21-year wait without knockout stage football. The Bavarians didn't take long to cement their dominance, and led 3-0 at the break thanks to goals from Robert Lewandowski, Jamal Musiala and Leroy Sane. They added a fourth due to Francesco Acerbi's own goal, before Joaquin Correa pulled a goal back for the Bianco Celeste. On Wednesday night, Atalanta were playing host to the competition's most successful team, Real Madrid. Both sides were aiming to provide a win for their respective nations. As mentioned before, Juventus and Lazio were beaten for the Italian contingent, and Barcelona, Sevilla and Atletico Madrid fell short for the Spanish clubs. However, it was the tournament's 13-time winners, Real Madrid, that won the first leg thanks to Ferland Mendy's 82nd-minute strike. The goal was his first in the competition and finally broke Ledea's resolve, who had played with 10 men following Remo Freud's 17th-minute sending off. In the other fixture on the night, Manchester City were aiming to make it a 19th consecutive victory in all competitions as they faced Borussia Mönchengladbach, who were the surprise package to benefit from a difficult group that included Inter Milan, Shakhtar Donetsk and Real Madrid. However, the Bundesliga side were no match for the citizens, who won the first leg 2-0 thanks to goals from Bernardo Silva and Gabriel Jesus. So let's discuss some of the ties and the teams who I reckon will advance into the next round. I'll start off with PSG against Barcelona. Well, with a 4-1 aggregate deficit to overturn, I can't see Barcelona turning this tie around. I wouldn't dare tempt fate as stranger things have happened in football, especially when you consider the previous last 16 meeting in 2017. However, I highly doubt that history will repeat itself for a complete and utter capitulation from Mauricio Pochettino's man. You'd be very brave to write off a player of Messi's calibre, of course. He's arguably one of the two best players in the world, if not the best, depending on your perspective. Um, I'm obviously not going to get drawn into that argument of whether he is the best or we'd probably be here for eternity. However, with the exception of the penalty incident and a few swift counter-attacks, the French club looked comfortable defensively against Messi and Co. He was in many ways a spectator in the first leg, though he managed to get onto the score sheet and provide a few opportunities for his teammates. But even so, he alone can't make the difference against this PSG side. Barcelona aren't the force that they were back in 2017. They have always had issues in defence, but it tends to be overlooked by what's happening down the other end of the field. The best form of defence has always been to attack, outplaying and outscoring their opposition with vast amounts of possession. However, those days are long gone. We saw in last season's meeting against eventual winners Bayern Munich, who put eight goals past Barca in the quarterfinals, that the side aren't what they were offensively either. And as they look to face PSG in the return leg, they haven't got the likes of Luis Suarez and Neymar in their team anymore to turn to. Instead, you're looking at the likes of Martin Braithwaite, who with all due respect won't match the Uruguayans record, and Antoine Griezmann, who hasn't shown enough moments of individual brilliance in comparison to Neymar. 
What made the result even more incredible was the fact that the first team regulars Neymar and Angel Di Maria were absent from the encounter. Neymar's supposed submission due to injury will certainly be a blow for the French side, but with a 4-1 lead and their away goals advantage, they just need to avoid a 4-0 defeat, which seems improbable because they are in inevitable to score with Mauro Riccardi and Kylian Mbappe up front. Next up is Juventus vs Portugal. Porto certainly stunned the Italians and produced a shock result in many ways. However, for those who have been watching Serie A regularly will know all about Juve's frailties. Both sides have been inconsistent in domestic football, more so the old lady. They performed terrifically when required, defeating the likes of Barcelona to earn top spot in the Penatoba Champions League game. They've also beaten Inter Milan to reach the Coppa Italia final and triumphed over Napoli to clinch the Supercoppa Italia. Yet at times they have found it difficult to approach games with the right mentality and intensity, which was demonstrated against the Liga Nos outfit. Andrea Pirlo, in truth, is still finding his feet in management and is still learning a lot about his players. Whereas Sergio Conceição has moulded his Porto side into champions, crying out results with that same grit and the commitment that was accustomed to his game. He has made them difficult to beat with a compact defence, two strikers that really chase every ball and midfielders with the freedom to express themselves on the pitch. His side started quickly against Juve, pressing high and forcing errors, which Pirlo's side couldn't recover from. However, Chiesa's away goal ensured that they would take something back to Turin for the second leg. The strike surely puts them in command, despite the scoreline, banking on their likes of Alvaro Morata and the ever-prolific Cristiano Ronaldo, and potentially a fully-footed Paolo Dybala returning to the side. I reckon Juve will have too much for Porto in the second leg, especially with Ronaldo's record on chasing comebacks and overturning deficits. Second last is Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid. The tie is still very much evenly poised. I think Giroud's winner certainly puts the Blues in a great position to approach the second leg, but now it's the West Londoners' turn to sit back and defend, which is easier said than done. Suarez was a constant threat in the first leg, though he didn't manage to trouble Edouard Mendy between the sticks. He's one that Chelsea defenders know all too well. He never gives the opposition a moment's rest and likes to play on the edge. He's very much a win-by-all-means-necessary player, uh, a notion that he shares with his manager, uh, Diego Simeone. Of course you have the talented Joao Felix also in the side, and though he was also on the fringes of the game, with the onus on Atletico, I, re I reckon he will have a bigger role to play in the second leg. They have to score and decisions will be made I'm sure whether Musa Dembele will partner Suarez and Felix up front in the three. Angel Correa was relatively ineffective and could potentially make way for the Frenchman. On the other hand, Chelsea will want to kill the tie off. They have had the trouble in the past of putting games to bed, and against Los Rojiblancos, they will have to be at their clinical best. Thomas Tuchel will have to decide whether or not to go with Giroud once more. They will be without Mason Mount and Jorginho too, and host Manchester United on the weekend. The tie could go either way depending on who scores first, but I think the pensioners will have enough to progress beyond the Spaniards. Lastly, Real Madrid and Atalanta. The first leg was a difficult watch to be frankly honest, for the 17th minute dismissal made it a non-contest, with Madrid dominating possession from there on. Yet despite the man advantage, Real rarely posed enough of a threat. Yes, they were significantly weakened with injuries to Karim Benzema, Sergio Ramos, Eden Hazard and Danny Carvajal to name a few, but against 10 men one might have expected Zinedine Zidane's men to up the tempo and really put the Italians to the sword, which obviously didn't happen. Ladea defended in numbers and was spirited in their attempts making it difficult for Madrid to break them down, and it took a moment of brilliance from Mendy to finally make the breakthrough. 
However, the second leg promises much. If Atalanta can manage to stay in the tie with the 1-0 aggregate lead still intact, they have every chance of exploiting Madrid's defensive issues. Duvan Zapata did limp off with injury, potentially as a sacrificial tactical swap as well, but if he is fit enough for the second leg, he could certainly cause some problems alongside compatriot Luis Muriel, who showed glimpses of his threat. It ultimately depends on what Madrid side shows up in every sense. If they approach the game in the same manner as they did against Atalanta, the tie could be very open indeed, especially with 11 men apiece. Yet if they have some of their first team regulars returning, and they play with more intensity and make more movement off the ball, they could lure the net up Suriel and spring a trap, which would surely see them extend their lead in Africa. there you have it folks thanks so much for listening if you like what you heard please like comment and subscribe or if you think otherwise have any other feedback or ideas for future episodes definitely let me know too i really do welcome and appreciate it tune in again soon thanks again everyone and stay safe